welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Big church, we want to open up our Bibles to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, and we'll start in verse 27, and then we're going to just read a few verses there from 27 to 31, then we'll flip down and look at verse, start in verse 41. So Mark chapter 14 is where you want to turn in your Bible here. And this is a, uh, a story leading up to Jesus' crucifixion as well as his resurrection. The next four weeks or so, I'll be preaching on leading up to Easter because we're going to be preaching on Jesus. We're going to be looking at some of the events that led up to Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus died on a cross on Good Friday. And then on Sunday morning, Easter morning, Resurrection Day, Jesus rose again. And these are stories we need to know in our Bible. This time of year, we always need to be reading the Easter story and seeing what happened. This is the most significant event in world history. And significant because what occurred on Easter, on that Resurrection Day, that enabled the whole world to have the opportunity to get saved. And that's God's business. He wants to see sinners saved. If you know of a sinner, if you know someone who does not love and live for the Lord, they need to give their life, they need to get saved. That's what the Bible's talking about, and that's the saving message, the saving power of Jesus Christ. That's actually what the entire story of the Bible is about, God redeeming lost people. And that's what we're going to be looking at right here. So here in Mark chapter 14 in your Bibles, we're going to be looking at the passage of where all the disciples abandoned Jesus, where they turned against him. And I believe for us, the principle for us is one day the mob will show up for us. And when the mob arrives for us, what will we do? Now, I do not really believe we're going to have a mob standing outside maybe our door of our home or our business or wherever you go. What I believe we're talking about is this longing desire to be accepted, to be included with other people. And then all of a sudden you realize, as a Christian, you're not. And that's why the disciples fled. Their eyes were open when they saw Jesus arrested. When they saw what was happening, and He's being hauled away from the Garden of Gethsemane in the middle of the night with, with clubs and swords. And then they're realizing, this is not what I thought. And the Bible says they all ran away. So that's the passage where we're going to go right here. And Jesus told his disciples it would happen to them. And listen, if it happens to Jesus, it very likely can happen to us. And I believe when we use the word mob, when we see that, we're talking about cultural acceptance. It's all around us. It's a desire to be included so we can just be like everyone else. And part of being a believer, part of being a Christian, is you're not going to be like everyone else. You are a disciple and a follower of Jesus. And lost people are not disciples and followers of Jesus. So you have a contrast of two different people. So we're going to read our Bibles here. Mark chapter 14, verse 27. Then Jesus said to them, all of you, this is actually right after the Lord's Supper, all of you will fall away. They're going to fall away. Because it is written, this is out of Zechariah 
chapter 13, verse 7. I will strike the shepherd. The shepherd is Jesus. That's who the shepherd is. And the sheep, we are the sheep. He is the shepherd. And the sheep will scatter. What he's talking about when Jesus is arrested, when Jesus is crucified, all of a sudden, the disciples are missing. They're gone. They ran away. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. And then Peter, who is the chairman of the disciples, who is the leader, who is very bold, he spoke up and he said, even if everyone else falls away, I will not. These other people are going to fall away, Jesus, and that's okay because they're just not at my level. I'm in the top 1%. But I'm going to stay faithful to you. So he's making it very clear that if 11 go down, there will be one standing. And that's Peter. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to Peter, today, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. <clears throat> but Peter kept insisting, even I have to die with you, Jesus. This is a big promise he's making. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all said the same thing. So we see this boldness of Peter here, how he is not going to fall away. And I think if all of us went around the room right now, when it's easy and comfortable, we would all as Christians agree to die for Jesus. We would all agree that we would be willing to go through anything because we love the Lord. And we can identify with Jesus with this. But when the mom shows up, and when you're tired, and when you're exhausted, and when things don't go as planned, all of a sudden, the circumstances change rapidly. So, I'm going to skip down several verses to verse 41. What happened in these next few verses is Jesus would regularly meet in a garden outside of Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives called the Garden of Gethsemane. And he would meet there with his disciples and they would regularly pray. It would be like his uh, place to get away from the crowds, to get away from the busyness of Jerusalem and go out in the country a little bit. And you just you use that time to get away and get alone with each other, and to get with God. So he's at this garden, and it's getting late at night. This is on Thursday evening. It's getting late Thursday evening. And the disciples are tired. They've had long days. They've made some bold statements to the Lord. And Jesus is asking them over and over again, you need to pray. You need to focus. You need to really have uh, intense time of period of speaking to God. But every time he came back to check on them, they kept falling asleep. So this happened three times. And he even asked the question, can you not stay awake for one hour? And a lot of times when it's midnight, one o'clock, the answer is no. You're just exhausted. When you're very tired, it's hard to do this. And he makes the statement that we all know so well he says in verse 40, verse 38, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Meaning folks have good intentions. Folks have a willing spirit. Lots of people want to worship the Lord on Sunday morning. But for whatever reason, they're in the flesh and they're tired. They're exhausted. They're hurting. They're in pain. And we have to be empathetic towards that. I mean, the pain and suffering is real. Tiredness is real. It's hard to stay awake a long time. 
So then in verse 41, it says, Jesus came back a third time. So he's telling Peter, James, and John, guys, you need to stay awake for an hour and just pray. They don't understand what's happening here. Are you still sleeping and resting enough? The time has come. See, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. And the betrayer is Judas Iscariot. He had made an agreement with the Jewish leaders for 30 silver coins that when Jesus was away from the crowds, when he was in an isolated area, late at night, he was going to identify Jesus. Because back, say, why would they not know? Back in Bible times, they dressed differently. They didn't, they, you carried a, a torch with your hand and you wore a robe. I mean, the picture like Star Wars with the people who, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you walk around with a robe. And it's just, you, it was hard to figure out who is that person. Who is, who is, you just don't know who people are. So Judas knows the place of prayer. He knew Jesus was going to the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew what was going to happen on that late Thursday night after the Lord's Supper. So he's going to identify Jesus away from the crowds in an easy location to kind of quietly arrest him and scoot him off to prison, take him to jail. And that's the deal we have going on. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. And that's what happens in our lives. When we think everything is fine, all of a sudden, suddenly there's a great, great change. I mean, just think about here in America. I'm convinced every week our nation has a national crisis. Just think, this past week, national crisis, several banks failed. And people are getting worried, if you're a local bank here in Lexington, is it going to fail? This week, there'll be a new crisis. Uh, I mean, I already saw it on the news. Donald Trump claims he's going to, to jail on Tuesday. So that will really take top. I mean, you see, every week there's going to be some national crisis here in America. Banks go, former presidents go to jail. Just you know, In two weeks we'll have something new happen. This is what happens. And this is what happens. And, and all of a sudden, when you feel safe and secure, and then suddenly the mob arrives suddenly a change has occurred in your life. And it says here that they show up with Judas Iscariot. And this mob, this is a religious mob. These are, this is the religious police arresting Jesus. With him, the mob, with swords and clubs, from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. These are the deacons showing up to arrest Jesus. His betrayer had given them a signal. The one I kiss, he said, he's the one. Arrest him and take him away under guard. So when he came, immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. They took hold of him and arrested him. One of those who stood by drew his sword, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his ear. Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal? I mean, look at the contrast we see here. Here we are in the middle of the night. You're bringing swords and clubs as if I have done something wrong. Implying Jesus is not a criminal. None of this was necessary. And he goes on to say, you come out as if I were a criminal to capture me. Every day I was among you teaching in the temple and you didn't arrest me. But the Scriptures 
must be fulfilled. And those scriptures are found in Isaiah chapter 53. That's what he's referencing there. In the, in the middle of the night, Jesus was arrested. Jesus was taken in because they were scared. The religious leaders were scared to do this during the day because Jesus had great respect. Jesus was one who had won over uh, the people. They enjoyed his teaching. He knew, he spoke as if he was from God because he uh, was from God. He healed people. He rebuked the Pharisees and they didn't like him. And they didn't want to arrest him in the middle of the people. So you arrest people when no, uh, no one sees what's going on. And that's what's occurring right here. And Jesus is pointing that out that this is actually a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 53. And what's amazing about this the people who were arresting him, they knew that Bible verse in Isaiah 53 because these are the religious leaders. They would know this scripture. And they're actually the ones fulfilling what the Bible says. And here's our main verse for today. Here's what we're going to, here's what we're talking about. Verse 50. Then they all deserted him. These same folks who are promising to die for Jesus are now gone. It says they deserted him and they ran away. Now a certain young man wearing nothing but a linen cloth, so he didn't dress appropriately that day, he didn't wear much clothes, was following him. And most Bible scholars think this was Mark. And the reason they think it's Mark is because he didn't name who this person was because he's embarrassed of it because this is written by Mark. So you wouldn't name who this is. So Mark is the one who's about to tell a little story about himself. So he's got this certain linen cloth they caught hold of this man. He's a young guy. But he left the linen cloth, so they grabbed him because they were hoping to maybe grab some of his followers as well. So they grabbed Mark, and he's got a special linen cloth that Mama gave him. And then, apparently, he was really worried and scared. He ran away in his clothes. He ran away so fast, his clothes stayed behind. So they're holding his clothes, and there goes Mark. And it says, but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. Just like that. And that's embarrassing for him because even the disciples are so ashamed of Jesus at this point and literally minutes, hours before, they are telling Jesus that they are going to die for Jesus. They are so embarrassed of Jesus, they're leaving, they're running away. What could cause such a change? This reminds us in our life that if this can happen to the disciples with Jesus standing right there, it can happen to us. We have to always remember sin is always lurking at the door. It's never too far away. We, we might feel safe and secure now, but come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it could be a different time for us. We could, we could do very and many regretful, hurt, say hurtful things in our life that hurt other people. You know what happens here is these folks here, it's like, I think we forget about, they're tired. Remember, they couldn't even stay awake. They're wanting to go to bed. And then next thing you know, the mob shows up and there's a big encounter. They're running on empty. When you are tired and exhausted, you aren't thinking about um, the, the future. You're just thinking about, I need some rest. I want to lay down. I need a break. It's like when we fill up our car with gas. 
you go, you go to the gas station this afternoon, you fill it up, you know you're going to get 300 or so miles out of that tank. You're not thinking about a week later, you're going to have to buy gas again, and you're going to have to pull out another $50 to purchase gas. You're thinking, all right, I'm full. I'm good to go. But you know eventually you're going to run out. And I think a lot of times in our life, we live, we live like a car. In a sense, we're, in a week, we're just going to be drained. We're okay today because we're full. We came to worship. But if by the end of the week, you're going to be drained, exhausted, and you're running on E. And the analogy for us, we need to live and start thinking like, more like a trolley. Have you ever seen a trolley? Well, it runs on a power line above. It has one bar that just attaches itself and goes down. So that bar is always connected. For us, we have to make sure that these, just like these disciples, they felt they were secure in their own strength. They had this plan that was going to occur for them. That Jesus was going to Jerusalem and He was going to be this wonderful political leader. And the next thing you know, the very people they were trying to impress were arresting Jesus. And it was the exact opposite. And then they were afraid they were going to get arrested. And I think for us, when we live in a time, we live in a culture when it, maybe it's changing and it's not maybe as favorable for believers anymore. We need to, uh, I believe this story is in here telling us there's good, just, be, just like the disciples, that the mob turned on them and they deserted and fled. The mob, i.e. our culture, lost people, people who do not like Christians, those who do not like Jesus, they will turn on you if you are a follower of Him. And we have to realize this. It will happen. It ha if it can happen to Peter, James, and John, if Mark's going to run away with no clothes on, it could happen to us. So we want to make sure in our spiritual lives that we are not running on empty, thinking we're, we're full, thinking we're fine, knowing eventually you're going to run out of gas. Do you know there's some contrast in this garden story of what happened here also with the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. In the Garden of Eden, life began for Adam. Christ here, in this Garden of Gethsemane, life is beginning for Adam. Who the Bible describes Jesus as the second Adam. Jesus is allowing Himself to be arrested so ultimately, all of us as descendants of Adam can be saved by that same life. God gave His life in the Garden of Eden. Here at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is surrendering Himself ultimately so we can receive life. Do you see the contrast there? Secondly, know that in Eden, Adam sinned. Adam fell short. But here in Gethsemane, Christ, He overcame sin. Jesus is coming to die for the sins of the world. Folks, this is why we celebrated and observed the Lord's Supper. We're identifying that Jesus died for our sins. And we participate and identify that. In Eden, back in Genesis chapter 2, Adam hid himself. After he sins, him and Eve, they go hide in the bushes. In Gethsemane, Jesus presents himself. He goes, here I am. I mean, we didn't have to do this 
If you wanted to arrest me, we didn't have to do it in the secret garden. You could have arrested me at church, at the temple. He's presenting himself as an offering, his life. He's realizing this is what I was created for. And I think the prince, uh, for us as believers, we present ourselves daily before God. You wake up and you give your day to the Lord. Say, God, this is my time today. What you've given me, it's yours. My conversations, the words I use, everything I do is going to point people to you. It's going to honor you. I'm going to use my time, Lord, for you. Folks, we cannot go through life wasting our time. Time is precious. It's ticking away every day. One more week. One more season. Spring starts this week. It's another season. Then comes summer. Y'all know this? And there's only so many springs and summers that begin. And we use what God has given us for Him. The disciples here, they did not, they just felt comfortable and secure that they would always have Jesus with them, that they would always be able to meet in the garden, that they would always just keep doing what they've been doing. And Jesus is saying, no, one day the mob's going to come. One day there's going to be a change. So Jesus is presenting himself, unlike Adam, who's hiding himself. And lastly, in Eden, the word of God was neglected. God told Adam and Eve they should not eat from the tree of the knowledge of, of a good and evil. They neglected what God said. Here in Gethsemane, the word of God was fulfilled. They are fulfilling Isaiah chapter 53. They are fulfilling Zechariah chapter 13 verse 7. We see Christ who's fulfilling Scripture boldly, not ashamed. Folks, this is why we are bold followers of Jesus. If He sets us an example that one day the mob is going to show up for us, one day people are going to turn against us, one day times are going to be tough, but, but you are expected as a believer to stake your ground and say, I'm going to remain strong. I'm going to continue to stand for the Lord. And these men here, I believe God has included this in the Scripture to show that if, if we aren't mentally aware of this, if we aren't spiritually aware, we will be just like Peter. We will be just like Mark. It is dangerous for you to feel like you are more spiritually mature than someone else. You are on shaky ground when you do that. Self-confidence fails with the Lord. Our confidence is solely in the Lord. When we come to church and you clap, we always, we're not clapping for that person who's saying or, or the testimony that was given. All offerings and claps is for the Lord. When you do something great, when God's given you a gift, God's given you an ability, God's given you a skill, that's not because you can toot your horn and say, look how great I am. You have been given this gift for the purpose of serving and honoring the Lord. That's what spiritual gifts are. When God gave you the right words to say to someone who is struggling, a prayer to pray to someone who is sick, it wasn't because you have wonderful knowledge and you are so wise than other people. 
It's because God gave you the right words at the right time so you can encourage and bless someone else. And I think what we see in this picture is we see Peter who feels like he is a strong man. I can do it. And Jesus is saying, you don't realize how dangerous and how how much temptation pulls you away. Peter, even you will deny me. Three times. Not just one time. Peter, you're going to do it three times. And I think what we see in this passage and the principle for us today is that in our life, if you're here and you feel spiritually secure, you feel, God, things are stable for me. I didn't have my finances in one of those banks that collapsed. I've made wise decisions throughout life. Lord, I've got a good schedule, a good pattern. Jesus is looking at us saying, the mob will come. Times will come upon you suddenly. And the key verse there, it says in verse 43, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. That's what happens to temptation. That's what happens when we're faced a moral failure. That's what happens when the mob shows up and we have to be prepared to stand for the Lord. It will happen suddenly in our life. It happened here to Jesus and His disciples, but Jesus knew, He says, this is why you need to be praying, yet they were tired. Do you know they're tired? It's late at night. You know, I once uh, heard someone say, I listen to Focus on the Family, I listen to their podcast every day, and they had a gentleman on there, James Dobson, he was talking about how no couple should ever or no anyone should ever make a decision a major life decision past 8 p.m at night never it should be banned throughout your life so if it's at past eight o'clock should never so if our business meeting time we have business meeting if it goes past eight o'clock say it it's too late past eight o'clock and because what happens folks are getting tired and when you are tired you make poor decisions this is why, parents, you give your children a curfew. Because who makes wise choices at midnight and 1 a.m.? Good things aren't being decided at 1.30 in the morning. You just don't make good decisions. And we see that right here. These guys, they are not making wise decisions in the middle of the night as Jesus is getting arrested. So we conclude this message for us. And our principle for our life is that we need to be aware that times can suddenly change for us. And God values rest, He values prayer, and He values also a self-awareness that without the Lord's strength, we have no hope of standing by ourselves. If Jesus told Peter, James, and John to pray, they should be falling on their knees in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to God because they didn't know what happened. You want to tell you why they didn't do it? Because they had been there so many times, it was routine. They had been in the Garden of Gethsemane many, many, many times before. And they're just thinking, this is just another all-night prayer meeting with Jesus. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to lay my head down. And Jesus is warning them, this is the last time you'll ever be praying with me like here. And for us, we do not know what our future holds. We cling to Jesus. We do not want to be disciples that run away like these men here did when the mob shows up. The mob reminds us that temptation and adversity is always lurking at our door. So we're going to have our invitation. We're going to respond to the gospel. So let's stand up. Jesus invites you to respond to him. This is the story here of us following Jesus. And some of you need to get saved. 
I stand down front with some of our deacons, and you come forward. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to make a decision and follow Jesus, you walk this aisle and come take my hand and say, Pastor, I want to pray with you, and I want to surrender my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. This is also our time. You can join our wonderful church of Broadway Baptist Church. You want to be a member of this church, you walk this aisle right here. Take my hand, and we'll present you as a new member here at Broadway. We're going to sing in, the, in our Bibles, our hymn books, number 256, Have You Been to Calvary? I'll be standing out for eight. You respond now.